and welcome to Flamenco Attitude. This is the podcast that brings you all things flamenco. In the past, if you have followed us in previous years, we've done pretty much anything from exploring, of course, the different cantes, through to um, kitchen, through to different types of dance, and even flamenco cinema. So it's fair to say that we're really delving into it and bringing it to the world and all the knowledge that my co-host Marcos has is willing to share. In today's episode, imagine a tradition that dated, dates from 1922 and it's still very much alive. Obviously, with a little bit of interruption because of the coronavirus, but it's still very much an obsession uh, within the flamenco world. People like Lorca, the, the famous poet, have given up a lot from their personal life studies and uh, work to dedicate some time onto exploring and being part of it. Um, this is, of course, the uh, Flamenco Festival with the very first one we're going to talk about started back in 1922, the Alhambra in Granada. A tradition that's carried over and has introduced many great people to the flamenco scene, the music scene as well, uh, not only in Andalusia, but to the world. So today, in this episode, we're going to talk about how the competition came about, who were the people who took part in it, and what happened throughout the years and further down the line up until today to make it, to keep it what it is, and to make it better, grander, just keep it alive, because it's very much part of the, the art. This is the episode on Flame- the first Flamenco Festival and what happened after. Well, you had a situation in Spain where um, they, were, they were concerned that they'd lost their last colony, Cuba, in 1898. And then in the beginning, of the 20th century, intellectuals, composers, musicians started to feel that flamenco was becoming too diluted. In what way? It wasn't pure enough. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a, it was a crazy idea, but um, that's how they that's how they perceived it. Um, the only way to get the purity back to what we call the, the, the deep song, the cantejondo, was to have a comp- like a competition where there would be very good prizes for the best, purest artist. Yeah. And we, I believe we have had an episode where we talked a little bit about it. Mm. But how did it all go on the first... What was the first one? Tell me about it and also... Was it well received? Well, let's talk about the lead up to it. Yeah, yeah uh, let, let's because let's do that. The, first of all, you had the idea. So you had a composer, one of the world's greatest classical composers, Manuel de Falla. Um He was involved with various people that we now know. You know, Federico Garcia Lorca, the, the, the poet. Um, the guitarist Andres Segovia and various other people so he sort of set them tasks in the year before this to go around and look for people that were good in flamenco also to look for funding for this idea how it was all going to work and 
there was a lot of controversy about it because when they succeeded in getting everything ready to put this flamenco event on, and as you said, it was going to be in the Patio de Leone in the Alhambra in Granada, people, many people didn't like the idea of it. And thought, why, why, you know, why, what's this all about? It's ridiculous. We should have to pay. We have to pay money for for this to happen. But despite all of this, it did go ahead. And from our point of view here in England, the incredible thing is that the Times newspaper decided to send somebody to cover it. Yeah. Yeah, as a journalist, because it was seen as a very important. Event. Now, would you think that this was, a, in a way, a cultural shock? It was, because, uh, you know, many people didn't like the, the music of flamenco, uh, who lived in Granada, and thought, well, why, why should this be being put on in this great palace and everything? Yeah? On the other hand, you've got this question as to Why did these intellectuals seem to know more about flamenco than the gypsy people themselves that they felt it was declining and wasn't pure enough? Well, they should have seen it as a bridge between, you know, the people who originated and the people who wanted to further it up. Yeah. Who had the means yeah. to further it up yeah. through newspapers, um, yeah. poetry and all that. I mean, looking back on it, and one can only do this from the point of view of where we are now, uh, I think it was a very misguided project, but we can be thankful for it yes. that it gave birth yeah. to the things that I love the most in the summer, a flamenco festival. A flamenco festival. And if, if I listen back, to, please listen back to his top 10 flamenco festivals because we have an episode and that's, it was great to, to hear your memories from all those different things. But um, Fire told Lorca that he needed truth without yeah. authenticity. Yeah. So you know what he did? What did he do? He said, right, because imagine Fire is quite a powerful character at the time, yeah? Now you've got to get out there and find some people. Go to benches in the parks, anywhere, and find some people that can sing the real proper flamenco because yeah. we've got to have some real flamenco people yeah. coming to this. And did it happen? Well, he did. He went out going out everywhere trying to find people and it, it was quite bizarre you know and he, he traveled you know into the countryside uh, you know saying to I've got to find people that can really sing and it probably what he was looking for people that could sing the solia yeah yeah the burreria mm. pure he, and he didn't want anything commercial it had to be pure as anything and he was told to then report back on a daily basis, on his findings. Where did where did they go? Well, they they didn't go. They didn't seem to go far out of uh, Granada province. Yeah. That that's where they tended to, to to base it all. Yeah. But but ironically, as you're probably going to ask me, where did the actual <laughs> competitors come from? Yes. <laughs> God. Oh, come on now. You ask yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well. The prize for this, Gallia, was quite considerable. A lot of pesetas. Off the top of my head, it was, I don't know, about 6,000 or something. For the first place. First place, yeah. Mm. But a man left Moron de la Frontera. Now, this is a village in Seville province, and he walked 
all the way to Granada. To just do it? Yeah. Yeah. Well. He walked and he was called El Tenazas. Before we go, we're going to do this. I feel this episode, let's do it as if we're literally making a film or writing a book about it. And we kind of go back and forward. Okay. So remember this. Remember this episode because we're going to go back to it. But tell me about Lorca, who absolutely fell in love with um, Flamenco and the Cante. Well, you know why? Because as a child, his nannies and, and people that looked after him were people that sang flamenco. Yeah. And so he would have had flamenco as a lullaby. What did he even do? Because um, he was supposed to be a lawyer. Yeah. Well, this is an interesting thing that this... He was training as a lawyer... But this festival got in the way of his studies. And, uh, I mean, uh, obviously, I've never met Manuel de Faye, mm. <laughs> you know, in his day. But I, I think he could be quite a stern person. So he said, no, you've got to do this research, as we call it now. Yeah? Yeah. And forget about your studies. Just find me some pure flamenco artists. Right. Yeah, I don't want to hear about you studying law at university. Just get on with that. And there was a campaign, like a whole campaign. Yeah, whole campaign. It was in the newspapers. Yeah. Um, that's what started to cause the trouble, because that, that made some members of the public not like the whole idea of it. They needed money, so it was an idea of getting money to, to support it. And in a way... I mean, you're you're looking at a, at, a, at a picture of it, how it was shown in the newspapers. It was a success. A lot of people came to it, but the, the problem with it was, as you can see from the photo, it rained on that day, and you can see this photo of people holding the flamenco chairs up to cover their heads yeah. so that they didn't get wet. We're looking at a photo where you told me it's not a very friendly caricature, actually, no. of um, of what happened. So what happened was we obviously had all the press there. We had all the important guests. Yeah. We had a performance, yeah. but also torrential rain. Yeah, and <clears throat> even though it was, you know, later in the year, the weather was very bad and you can see the way the press looked at this as a lot of famous people that were sort of parading that they knew about flamenco i mean but, is that how you see that that i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to say because at at this point i don't know whether it was known as a genre a lot outside yeah. of where it was, yeah. where it was born, but actually, uh, international audience definitely, and even um, celebrities in the world of music were invited. Oh yeah, I mean, people came from all over the world to it. It, yeah. it was a mega. Event. You told me about um, Stravinsky and Ravel. Yeah, and then of course the, 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 this famous person that we've got a, a book in front of us, this filmmaker Edgar Nivelle. He came. To report for the for the London Times, as it was called then. How do you think it even came as a prospect? I think because of the importance of Manuel de Falla as a composer, mm. uh, he had a certain amount of bounce, you know, that he could actually uh, convince people that this would be very important. Now, what what you will like about it yeah. is, do you know 
what happened to the person who who, who won it. Wait, we haven't even started. We haven't that. even started. <laughs> but I want, I want okay, to, yeah, I, yeah, before, you, before that, yeah. I wanted you to tell me. Okay. Yeah. Paint me the scene of however many competitors go through yeah. it, sing, um, yeah. play, whatever they do. Yeah, well, I, I can imagine it would be like um, some of these competitions that they still have in places like in Aris. You'll be told you can do three songs. And those three songs have to be Solia, Sigiria. Tarantus, and that's what, and so you'd have endless competitors doing those three songs. Oh, Tarantus! You know, now you <laughs> reminded me because you've, I've told you many times. Oh, the Tarantus to me is the most magical yeah. of all the the yeah. genres. That's yeah, personal. Yeah, yeah. So you, you you have a, a choice of what you can do, but yeah. you'd only be a, singers tend to do just three. Yeah, so you'd have three, and then there'll be. You can imagine. You can see from that picture. You've got these judges. Out there. And perhaps this um, laid the foundation of all the, um, not only appropriation, but inclusion of flamenco in popular culture. Yeah. Would you say so? Or saying that it's a, a very important part of what Spain is about. That's what they were trying to do. That's pushing it. Yeah, saying that, you know, what is Spain? Flamenco must be Spain. And we're losing this, which is which is funny from today's perspective because um, you have told me that yeah. a lot of Spanish people don't even no, listen to it. Well, of course, because it, it it just it relates to Andalusia, the other provinces or the other regions of Spain don't have it. Yeah, yeah, but in these times, it was seen as the same way as Franco adopted it as that is what we're all about. Flamenco is. Where, how we can brand Spain and it's what we're losing and it's the most important thing we have you know we've got wine and we've got flamenco mm. yeah how many days did this continue for? I think it was over three days yeah and then a rather extraordinary result occurred as you can see from this person in the photograph yeah. who won it and who he, is he? well he's called El Tanathas he was 66 and he's the man I told you had walked all the way from Moron. He, um... What did he sing? What? Well, he did. He, I mean, he, he would have done the hardcore, cigarettes, soliat. He got the... I think it was 6,000 pesetas. And then he went home and then was robbed. <laughs> because the people mm. knew that he'd got this prize. Uh, Which is sad, prize. of course, yeah. Very sad. Um, somebody else was awarded... The second place yeah yeah but the key thing about this is Tanathas won the main thing because he was hardcore the other person who was awarded a prize was a young person Manolo Caracol who actually went on to be ironically quite a commercial artist but he was a very young boy. I can't remember what age he was at, the, at this at this uh, competition. Mm. And um, actually, they did it properly because from this event, a lot of documents derived, a lot of press publications derived from it, and yeah. um, Lorca even gave a talk yeah. on it. Tell yeah. me about that. Well, yeah, he gave. I mean, he started also he inspired his his books on of the different poetry of Cantigonda. 
and he talked about the importance of, of the flamenco art and, and how the poetry is so important. But as, as you rightly say, it did inspire, after the, after the war, the idea of having competitions all over and, fe and festivals across. all over Andalusia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but we're talking about June, yeah, seventh of June, yeah, to be precise. When 19, it was raining, nineteen twenty-two. It, it was, was raining. raining. Yeah. Um, goodness! So last year on the seventh of June was hundred years of flamenco festivals. That's right. Yeah, that's why I wanted to uh, do it with you because it's incredible, isn't it? It is incredible, um, and. Um, Another so to me, and and again that's personal. That may not be everybody, but when we talk about events like that, in my mind, immediately, I want to imagine the place. Just to imagine the place, how the people were dressed, well, what it was like, and I think it's an iconic venue, the Alhambra. Well, that is, it's amazing you say that because if you want to go there yeah. now, you've got to book in advance. There's massive queues to get what into is, the Alhambra. Uh, uh, tell me about the Alhambra. Well, well, it's a it's an Arabic uh, palace. What does it mean? Alhambra. Yeah. Mm. Put something your, something in yeah, uh, not Spanish, uh, probably. No. Um, it's one of the great parts of Andalusia because you've got the mosque in Cordoba, the Mesquita, and you've got the Alhambra. The Alhambra now to go to is extremely difficult because you've got a book in advance, tickets, you've got a queue up. It's very, very hard to visit. Uh, as I said to you in a previous programme, I've had the privilege of once playing there, you know, at night. Can, right? you, can you kind of give me some details around how it looks like? Mm. Well, it's got beautiful fountains because the, the Arabic people were very keen on water. It's got a pa various patios. Um, it's got mosaics. Oh. And does it have um, not chandeliers, but how would you call? Because I know that they can. It's be got really... uh, this stuck with this work, you know, carved. Yeah. All these carvings. I, I, you know, I'm not an architect to tell you the proper name of these things. But if you think about it, at that time, you could. You it was quite a, the venue. Could, yeah, but you could have probably just walked in there. You're right, you know, I mean, it would have been a major venue, but anybody could have gone there, yeah, in 1922, yeah. you know. It's interesting to read that it was actually functioning as a hotel. Yeah. Is it still the same today? No. No. No, no, no that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. 4,000 people. Wow, you know more than I did. 4,000? 4, 4,000 people. But we can say attended. it was a success then. I mean, uh, if if we don't count the um, incredible interest from people that actually yeah. wanted to put it out in the world, yeah. to have four thousand people yeah. as attendees yeah. is um, yeah. Because something. I mean, when we put on a flamenco festival nowadays, um, like the Gaspar show in Moron, you know, we'd be happy with two thousand. That would be a good turnout. Yeah. 4,000 is uh, very good for flamenco. Yeah, a great success. Was this the beginning of commercial flamenco? Yes, because, as I said to you, the person that came sort of equal first, Caracol, started commercial flamenco. And he started recording, he started Recordies. selling, he yeah. started... Yeah. Um, 
research on what he can do. Yeah, I mean, he he became a recording artist, and although he was very pure, uh, he started making some very commercial records. Mm. Yeah, yeah, more commercial than strangely enough, Cameron would have ever made if he'd yeah. have been in that era. Sad, sad uh, end for um, Tenassus. Yeah, but he's a legend. He's a legend. Yeah, what I want. I mean, to can you look? You, you've been to Andalusia. You know how big it is. Yeah. Okay? You imagine walking from Seville province to yeah. Granada. Walking. Uh, it, it, it's days and days and days but, and days. But, but in his kind of normal waking life, yeah. uh, what was he? Um, well, I suppose from his name, he was probably somebody that worked with uh, woodwork and, yeah. and pliers. Heavy, heavy duty, heavy work, yeah, yeah. heavy work. Yeah had only one lung that actually yeah. worked properly so yeah. health issues yeah. there yeah. and he still did it I know but look at him there can you see the a frail but, but this is, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to um, either take a photograph yeah. of your book or try to find this caricature online so I can put it on but everybody else including the guitarist yeah now we should mention that that is the great guitarist Ramon Montoya Ramon Montoya we're going to talk about him but mm. everybody else because you have obviously guest press yeah. and you have are um, younger and fitter and richer people yeah. than this frail old man who walked miles <laughs> who, win, who wins who it who actually won yeah um, what, that's the, the the great thing about flamenco what do you think motivated him to do it uh, to win the competition Ap- apart from the money like do you think there was a bigger motivation to kind of because he, he held the flamenco inside his body yeah. and wanted to spread it. Yeah. Now, who accompanies the people? Yeah, we see that. What, was he was he booked to do it for everybody? Now this is an interesting thing, because we've had in in England um, the the death of the monarch, Queen Elizabeth. This man is Ramon Montoya. He went to play. For the royal family and when the queen had her coronation she booked again flamenco artists from Cadiz and it seems to be a tradition that the monarchy in England for whatever reason only have they have their dinner and then they have flamenco artists. Uh, at, the, at the time that we're recording this podcast in January of 2023 uh, we're yet to see the coronation coming up. Yeah. Do you think there will be a flamenco presence? Most definitely. You think so? Yes. In some capacity? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, my, um, my, my, my wife, who you can hear in the background, yeah, is cooking be- her tortilla. It, it, we're doing this because um, <laughs> while she's cooking, because I deserve my prize after the recording, right? I put, I put work in it, so I deserve it. Now, she has seen cards from a friend that she's made in Jimena. Yeah of the actual things that the royal family had and they've got like it tells you what's on your menu starts medium and finishes and who the flamenco artist will be so Ramon Montoya getting back to the the concurso was the greatest solo uh, flamenco artist and there you can see he's been brought in to accompany Tanatha that must. But but also, I feel it was a privilege for him. Uh, oh yeah, to, to, it's a to big, big deal. Yeah. to accompany somebody who is actually 
so close to the earth, almost born from the but earth. But you would never have met him before. Exactly. Yeah? I mean, that's the, the, the great thing, Galia, about flamenco, that what I've had to do this recently when I was in Andalusia. You have to accompany somebody that you've never even met before. Mm. Yeah? So, Tanathus would have probably rocked up to this thing in, in Granada, you know, with probably half an hour to go, having walked all the way from Morong. And yeah. then he, he's going to sing, and Ramon would probably say to him, well, uh, what, what are you starting off on? Yeah? And then he would have to follow him and accompany him. Yeah. yeah? Well, that's why he's a great guitarist, but... Uh, yeah, but Tanathus would have probably said, if he went wrong... Right. What? The He's singer. a frail man. You no, know, no. The singer is always in charge. He yeah. would have said, "You went wrong on that last bit." Okay. <laughs> I, there are things that I don't pretend to understand. I'll never understand that bit. But anyway, I'll try. Uh, we, I think, have talked about the fact that flamenco is not a folk art. It's not yes. folk music. No, there is Andalusia has its own folk music, which is totally separate from flamenco. How is that even possible? Because to me, when I listened to, um, especially Camarón, yeah, singing, not his very very commercially successful tracks, but the ones that are more toned down, the ones that he researched and went to people and uh, sang after, um, you have a lot of the life of the people portrayed into it. Almost as if you would say, a folk musician will obviously sing about traditions of the of, of the people who live in a certain area, um, life of a certain area. So why, for example, Camarón's Rosa Maria is not a folk track, which would be regarded as a folk track if, let's say, somebody from England sang about uh, a girl in a remote village going to... You know what I mean? Well, it's easy to answer that because Rosa Maria is tangos. In the gypsy canter, you've got the buleria, the tangos, the cigarilla, and that is a tangos. That is totally separate from Andalusian folk music because of the rhythm mm. and the way you have to sing it. Yeah. not It's not about the c content of the... No, it's not about the lyrics. Yeah. It's, it's to do with the, the tone the rhythm and the voice needed to deliver it. And of course, Lorca uh, came to know that really, really well because he studied and brought to life in his own unique way the essential rhythms. Yeah, I mean, you, the made, poetry. A good, yeah, you made a good point because obviously I, I'd forgotten that shortly after this competition, he went on the, this thing to New York and, and, yeah. and, and delivering all of these lectures and everything. Yeah. So this... This flamenco first competition must have had quite a big effect on him, I think. Yeah, yeah? And, and, and it only kind of grew from there, yeah. because his whole life he yeah. was, he was yeah. involved in it. The festivals that uh, happened after this big uh, 1922 staple event, how were they similar and how were they different? Well... They started to be more festival than competitions. Like, festival-like. Yeah. yeah, so in the 70s, they became great festivals. They weren't a competition. Yeah. You still had competitions, but that's a different thing, whereas this thing was like a joint competition with a festival. So you started to have straightforward festivals where a mayor of, of a particular village or town would try to put on the best he could 
you know, and, and you look in the budget in the town hall, yeah, that, I think we can get Camarong, you know, we can get whoever. Um, the interesting thing about this always was that if they could afford the singer, they would look and say, no, no, we can't afford the guitarist coming, we'll have to use our own guitar players to save on funds, you see? So often what would happen in the festivals is you'd get some big singers, but they would be accompanied by the local guitar players. Then the singers would get annoyed because it wasn't going quite as well as they wanted. And, you know, in the 80s, it went, went absolutely mega. The festivals were, you know, that was the, the golden era, really, of the flamenco festivals. The 90s, it started to go down a bit. And at the moment, we were at a period where we're just about to try and get the festivals up and running again for the summer. Yeah. So you haven't been to a festival since 2020? No. Which is your... Because I know you will go. And that was my... that That's my final question, um, in a way, before I get to my price, my tortilla. Um, where are you going next to a festival? And do you see festivals having a resurfacing, like another golden age almost? Well, I'm going to go to, uh, hopefully, the, the Gaspacho in, in Morong. It's my, one of my favourite places to go to. Um, they're not going to be ever as big as they were. That's not just not going to happen. Like, it can't happen because there's not the interest at the moment in, in Flamenco to get those audiences. So I don't think we'll see that, no. You're not even hopeful. Well, I'd like to see it. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I do remember a story you told me where you went to a... Um, it oh, was, in a football stadium. I'm not sure what it was, but you yeah. went to a, a almost a, an after-festival event. Yeah. And you were really, as you say, put on the spot. Oh, Because yes, you yes. had to. Yeah, yeah. There was no backing off of this. You had yeah, to stand yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah. and do your yeah. best. Yeah, it's one of the traditions that in in the festivals, the artists perform for the public. But when the festival ends, they form a ring outside yeah. wherever and they just perform for themselves. And it's 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 a, a tradition very so yeah, you're talking about when I was in the uh, outside the ball ring in, in Morong when when you know, I had to were all sat on the wonderful flamenco chairs and the man points at me and I have to get up and perform. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. No, I think my days of doing that are over, Galia. What do you think? Just looking at you, I really don't think so. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this um, episode dedicated on the very first Flamenco Festival and everything that happened after that, all the good things that derived from it and all the incredible events that appear, I believe, all over Andalusia, here and there in the summer. And keep the spirit of the festival flamenco alive until the next time whether you listen to play or learn about flamenco remember to always follow the beat